It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. So, Matt, before we get into the episode today, I want to start off with a question. I'm going to ask both you and Daniel, but I'm going to start with you first, because you always have the best answers for this. That's what I'm talking about. What'd you get for Christmas this year? Christmas, Kyle. You know we got to get some hockey stuff in here, so I got some pretty good hockey stuff this year. You know, in my house, in my game room, I have where we watch hockey. I got a big screen TV, and I got my all my walls are filled with hockey autograph memorabilia. Well, I got a new office upgrade at work, so I'm redecorating my office, and I'm going to make it kind of like a hockey cave central. I've got a signed, autographed Miracle on Ice game photograph from uh, the classic Miracle on Ice game. I also got every year that the Red Wings won the cup, I have this Legends Never Die poster. It's like a, it's another photo and it's got the roster list, like the roster card. So every year they've won four times in my lifetime, I've got that going on. So I've got them framed and ready to go. And I'm also getting a hockey stick and I'm going to put all that in my office. So make a little man cave going on. Well, that's very impressive. Daniel, what about you? Man, this year I had a, I feel like it was a bunch of utility stuff, like practical stuff. Which signs, I, of, signs of being an adult. Yeah. I mean, that just happens as you get older. But I actually do prefer that because it's kind of nice. Um, I, I'm trying to think it's on the side. Oh, like uh, we got, got a drill for the house now. Like, you know, it's like when you get a home, like you need some of these things, but you just keep putting it off. So it's like, yeah, stuff like that. And then um, Victoria got me kind of this, you know, bigger present for me. And that was a leather overnight duffel bag so it's like all 100 percent premium leather with uh with like a nylon uh, uh satchel like rope cord it, it's it's fantastic so and it's got my initials on it which is even better so now i have like a full leather kit i have that the leather backpack i have a leather jacket from italy that i got got leather boots so we're good to go well i got a gift that i think beats both of y'all wow I think I know what it is. Go ahead. I'm going to be the father of a baby boy. Very impressive, Kyle. Future hockey player coming up. All five, eight of them. Coach Kyle, that's what I'm talking about. Coming up in about 10 years. Now, just to give a backstory, my wife and I have known for a while that we were expecting, but we weren't sure of the gender. And one story I've told the guys here, but I'll tell everybody else as well, just because it's something that my wife is really just well known for, is she researches everything tremendously. doesn't matter what it is. The smallest thing to the biggest thing, she researches nonstop. And I'm sitting there in the office one day working at home. And she goes, hey, you want to call? And I was like, no. She goes, okay, I have a story to tell you. I was like, okay. She goes, the story is, I'm pregnant. I was like, what? You're pregnant? She's like, yeah. She goes, but the story is, I checked not once, not twice, but I checked eight times just to be sure. I was like, oh my goodness. So you're definitely sure. She's like, yep. So that started the whole, we're going to be parents. And let me tell you, it's something that everyone has said, you know, it will hit you when it happens. And already I'm just like, man, I'm going to make this kid the biggest hockey nerd, the biggest game nerd. And 
it's just going to be amazing. As Matt says, full sin, let's go, let's do this. That's awesome. I can't believe she dropped the news on you over a phone call, though. That seems like an in-person call. Oh, no, she was in the room. Oh, okay. She'd asked if I was on a call for work, because it was oh, during the work day. I see. You know, work from home stuff. So, I got two great uncles right here. They're going to help me raise this oh, boy, right? Man, it's going to be have, good. We just need to all He's... be three coaches of a team. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to have him in the Final Fantasy crew online in no time. He's going to be hitting those rotations in the dungeon. It's going to be fantastic. And we're going to have him up there with his little hockey stick, some fang fingers, of course, up at the games, uh, just going to town. And uh, I'm super excited. Like, you know, it was great news for us. It was kind of a shock. But have you, I mean, it, to your point, though, like eight times, that is pretty funny. Like, I'm sure you spent a pretty good amount of cash just on those. You know, like whatever they are, blue, whatever reading things for uh, the the pregnancy thing. But I do have to say a funny story because, like, um, you know, obviously we're not trying to have a kid right now, but my wife is also on birth control. So it's like one of those, like, she was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it was like a sketch moment. And she's like, I'm going to go buy something. Like, Matt's shaking his head because, like, you have you been there? Have you had like a little scary moment where you're like, Oh no, like whatever. And I, I, I was just like, ah, there's no possible way. And turns out we weren't, but, um, you know, you, you just sometimes like you got to go get one just to be sure, just for that peace of mind. And she definitely, I think used two just to be 100% certain, but, uh, eight that's, uh, I would say that's pretty fairly confident. So Matt, have you had some run-ins like that? Yeah. I'll say here's to staying positive and testing negative, negative Kyle. baby. <laughs> <laughs> what we got going on in the hockey world, Kyle? Well, it actually leads into this story because I told uh, Chelsea, I said, you know, it's a good name for our child, which she immediately shot down. I said, UC. She's like, why? I said, because UC is like the best Preds player that we've had in a long time outside Roman Yossi. In fact, he's so good that he is the only Pred who is going to the 23 All-Star game in Florida, which, you know, makes sense because he backstops his team. He's great on this team. Had a mutual friend of ours go to the um, Canadian games the other night. And she left the game going, the Preds won, but they won because of the goalie. And I think it's well-deserved that UC is going to the All-Star game. In fact, you know, we'll skip down just a little bit here. The All-Star rosters came out. In the Metro, you had Sidney Crosby. You had Johnny Goudreau, Kevin Hayes, Jack Hughes, Brock Nelson, Alex Ovechkin, Andrei Snechkov, and Igor Shesterkin. And in the Atlantic, you had Nikita Kucherov, Dylan Larkin, your boy, Matt. Let's go. Yep. Mitch Marner, Nick Suzuki. Tage Thompson, who I don't know. He's awesome. Bro, he's been he's lighting it up. That's Buffalo. That is Buffalo. You had brothers Brady and Matthew Kachuk, which are the first brothers since 2012 to be in an all-star game together, Central which I believe Sedins. is the Deans. Linus Ulmark got in. Central, you had Kirill Kripasov. You had Clayton Keller, Jason Robertson from Dallas, Vladimir Tarasenko, Seth Jones, Kale McCarr, Josh Morrissey, and of course, UC Saros. And in the Pacific, you had uh, Matty Beneers. You also had... I think Kevin Fiala was on there, Kevin, too. Yeah, which is a shocker. Kevin Fiala made it. Wow. He's, he's been lighting it up, actually. He has. You had uh, Nazem Kadri. You had Connor McDavid, of course. Elias Pedersen. Troy Terry. Eric Carlson. And finally, Logan Thompson. So, Daniel, we'll start with you. What do you think about these rosters? I don't know. Like, So, are we just kind of like rating them? Well, I got it right here, so I'm trying to think of... Maybe pick, maybe pick, pick which... Pick one to win. Yeah, the strongest um, division. I mean, oh, Metro looks pretty strong, uh, but at the same time, too, you could make a, a an argument for the Pacific. 
Um, Kadri's great. You know, McDavid can do what McDavid does, but I'm going to have to go with the Metro. They even got super strong uh, goaltending with Igor back there, too. I mean, that that's a pretty high-flying uh, uh, roster, in my opinion. So, what about you, Matt? Um, I'm leaning towards Metro. The Atlantic looks pretty interesting. I think I'm going to sleep on the Central and the Pacific. Yeah. Specifically the Central. Yeah, the Central looks kind of weak this year. But that's that kind of goes to show you the, the East is a beast in general. So, as it always is, the Metro has got some powerhouses. So, my money's on them. And I will say also, as we talk about this, that this is one of the um, only All-Star games I've seen where we had so few defensemen make it. In fact, as I look through the list here, the only defenseman I saw who made it was Seth Jones, Kel McCarr, Josh Morrissey, and Eric Carlson. The rest is the goalies, of course, and forwards. Like, this is a stupidly stacked offensive power team. And you got to think, for people that's in the Metro or at the Atlantic, two of these guys are going to have to play defense at least. So it'll be interesting to see. Could you imagine Sidney Crosby playing defense? That would be awesome. <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin playing defense? Like, Obi, oh, my Obi goodness. could play defense. I will say um, – from a brand of hockey you're putting on the ice, from a viewer standpoint, it'd be pretty nice to see a lot of high-flying offense, like five attackers. You know, we kind of see some of that in the overtime. We're like, well, what kind of mix do you have? Do you want how many forwards versus defensemen? Do you want to go more aggressive? So this could be a fun little nod in that direction where you say, hey, let's throw five attackers on the ice and see how many goals we can score up and make it a, make it a match here. Could be fun to watch. Well, I will say I agree with you guys. I think the Metro is going to probably be the one to watch. I mean, the star power on there is just amazing. And I think, you know, they do this whole thing every year with the semifinals and then the final. I think the Metro is going to take it, but I think the Metro is going to probably end up playing the Central for the uh, for it this year. My hopes is the Central gets it. I would like Central to win because Saros is on the team. But I do think the Metro is going to take it just because of the star power quality on it. How about why don't we look at this roster again and out of this roster, tell me which player you're rooting for the most on this list. For each division Just or overall. overall? One name stands out to you that you're like, man, I want that guy to do really well. Uh, I mean, is is Keller the underrated pick just because he's from Arizona? But, I mean, that's fine. Linus has been fantastic for Boston, so I think he's going to do just fine. Um, but for me, I probably would have to go with Tej, Tej Thompson because he's been lighting it up there in Buffalo. So he's been like a highlight real machine this year with all these yeah. uh, crazy goals that you've been seeing. So I, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching him. So I, I think I would, I'd like to see him light it up in the, in the all-star game. What about you, Matt? I got to go for my boy, Jason Robertson. I've kind of, he's been lighting it up this year. Gave me a real hard on for him. I've been on him for a couple of years to see him do so well this year is made me smile and <laughs> you're laughing at me, but that's, that's my guy. So I got to go with Jason Robertson. And as for myself, I'll pick Nick Suzuki. Another high five player. Loved watching him last year. And then, you know, I think it was also the previous year. I think it was the COVID season that the Montreal did as well as they did. He was a great part of that team. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen. I was thinking South Florida of all places to have it. But it makes sense. We've had it everywhere else. And this is the furthest south it's went. I think if it was to go any further south, it'd go to Tampa. So imagine if South Florida gets it, which is amazing because you think of like five years ago, we were like trash in Florida saying it was like a place to go where hockey players went to retire because they would just wash up their careers. And, you know, it's interesting on Florida, they had a great first season. Their back half is doing terrible, though. And they are, like, hoping to not get knocked out because they were the President's Trophies champion last year, too. 
Yeah. Well, you talk about Florida. Interestingly, though, again, from a marketability standpoint, you know, they do the governor's meetings every year in Boca Raton, Florida. You know why? Because it's beautiful there. So if you're going to put something on ice where you're trying to draw fans in from a watchability standpoint, why not have it in a gloriously beautiful Florida, Florida weather? Just like they do everything else, it draws visitors. There's a reason why Disney's in Florida and not in Minnesota. So if you want people to come and be excited about hockey, maybe try to branch out to a non-traditional hockey market and make it a destination place where people can come, get in, interested in hockey, go have a vacation with their family. It's a really good idea from a, from a market perspective. Well, it's also interesting that you mentioned Boca Raton because the Board of Governors meeting just happened last month. Now, it's been about a month since we uh, recorded because, you know, holidays happen, life gets in the way, you know, you fit in where you can, you know. So we're here recording now, and the Board of Governors meeting, like I said, was held. And the one thing I took out of the whole thing, besides the cap maybe going up a million dollars, was that Gary Bettman is still being asked, is there going to be a play-in wildcard round to the playoffs? And Bettman has continued to say there will not be one, and people say that the problem with the playoffs is the format itself. Now, do you guys agree that the playoff format is trouble or should it be changed? Well, I'd like to hear an alternate perspective on what you think it should go back to. I like the seeding differently. I think if we could go through, let's see, they ha- there was discrepancies between how you do wild cards. Instead of going one through four, you go, instead of going wild card, wild card, you go one through eight or something. The way, the way it used to be that a couple years ago, and people seemed to like that better. I can't remember exactly the details, the differences is how it is now, but... I think everybody hates the play-in round. Well, I mean, to your point, when, you know, was it two years ago we had the play-in for the bubble or whatever it was? I personally didn't like it. I mean, it just was kind of like, why have another one? Like, why have another game? Like, you have 82 games to decide this order anyways, so if you're already on the fritz, like, uh, who who cares? Like, the format has been working. Now, I understand that they wanted to kind of change, like, the seating, for the matchups and all that to maybe like, you know, enhance some of the rivalries. But I feel like we've been getting some pretty good rivalries the last couple of years regardless. And quite frankly, if you go across all of the different sports, hockey is the most enjoyable playoff sport. Like it, it is by far the best, has the highest watchability in my opinion. But, you know, that might just be me. Um, so... I definitely would not do a play-in. If anything, they could do a little bit of the restructuring. Maybe they're maybe they're trying to do the reseeding because they want more like divisional matchups as far as like travel. Well, who knows? Now that you say that, I do remember two or three years ago they did the you know after you pass the first round, say uh, a one seed wins and then a three seed wins. Well, the one seed gets the five seed from down below the bracket. They get the easier matchup and it reseeds every time to give the, the higher ranked team an easier play. Well, two or three years ago, they didn't do that, if you recall, because you could hear me moaning and complaining about it because it affected like the way we do brackets, the way the teams line up and everything. And I thought it was quite unfair. And the reason they specifically did it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the reason why they left it the way it was, and I always said that the way they redid it, specifically if you looked at the East, it took away the matchup, the classic like Washington-Pittsburgh matchups, yep. and I don't know if it was Carolina-Boston, whatever it was. I remember saying, you're going to take away that rivalry. Oh, here it was. They took it away because they wanted the uh, they wanted better matchups in the first part of the bracket, like uh, 
No, no. What the opposite of that? They wanted to keep the best matchups later, like the like the Stanley Cup Finals and the Conference Finals. I get. And that, I yeah. said I wanted it to be the opposite. I want to have some. I want the whole bracket to be knockout games. I want to see some one seeds with some hard fights in a round. I want to see Boston versus. Uh, Tampa or whatever. I want to see some knockout rounds in the first round and don't save the best watchability for the finals when you can stretch it out over many weeks of, of viewing. Well, I'm to your point, I feel like you get so many good second round matchups regardless. Like you're going to have those rivalry ones crop up every single time. And it's like, that's what you want. Like I, it just is what it is. Like you want to see the Pittsburgh Penguins play the Washington Capitals. Capitals like that's just a matchup that you want to see on paper like you want to see the battle for Florida like last year you know like that th- there's there's so many things that you want to see on paper and I think the current format is just fine I, who knows like I, I but I for sure am against the play-in the play-in is kind of pointless like you had 82 games to figure it out no point in adding a play-in just to you know add drama or whatever a dramatic flair for you know for viewership or to put another playoff game on tv you know yeah i know what you're talking about i think the current playoff format is fine too especially you know when i look at how the pros are doing currently right now in the playoffs or i should say i'm cautiously hopeful and what i call the playoff hope meter because we're three points back from a wild card spot right now preds are playing in ottawa tonight hopefully should be a win but the Preds have a history of playing down the teams like Arizona and Ottawa. So I will not be surprised that when I'm editing this tonight and I find the score, future me finds the score that we have lost. I will not be surprised, but if we do win, I'll be pleasantly surprised knowing that we've now gotten two points and are closer again to getting a uh, wild card spot. And it's been an interesting, you know, we'll get to you in a second, man. I can see your face over there. It's been an interesting time. It's been about, like Daniel said, a yo-yo. I mean, a yo-yo, and we're kind of still where we're at. If you look at the Preds as a whole, last time we talked, they were 20th in the league. They're 21st. In the conference, they were 18th. Um, I'm sorry, the conference, they were 10th. Now we're 11th. Uh, Division-wise, we were 5th. Now we're 6th. Our record uh, last time was 12-9-2 for a 5-6-5. We're now 18, 14, 6 for a 5, 5, 3. And it's just like, I don't know what's going on. We have games where we demolish people. And then we have games where it looks like we're the ones being demolished and we don't know what we're doing. And I can't remember which game it was that we had a really good run. And I remember looking at Chelsea when it was going on. I said, games like this is what's going to make GMDP and the front office decide the team's good enough as it is. And then we get trashed the next game, and they're going, hmm, maybe not. Then we have another blowout or a good game. They're like, oh, no, we're good. And like Daniel said, it's a yo-yo back and forth. Yeah, okay. So I, I, I got some. We got some takes for this for this episode because we haven't even got to some of the juicier topics yet, which Matt and I are going to have strong opinions on. Um. So, yeah. So basically we're in the same spot we were as of the last recording, literally no difference. The only like shocking point to me was like I looked at the standings the other day and like we're in front of the Avs. How is that possible right now? But that said, um, currently the Preds are on a very hot streak. The last several, um, I think, four game win streak. So 
uh, three-game win streak while beating really quality opponents, too. Um, that said, it has been very interesting to me seeing the dynamics of the team. So we can talk about one of these games in particular. And the one that really stood out for me would be the Carolina Hurricanes game. Because guess what? We got pretty much manhandled that game, and yet we somehow won the game. And that's only because, only because UC Soros is a stud right now. And he's, once again, he's getting hot and he's climbing up the rankings on basically being one of the top contenders, maybe for a Vesna again this year. Granted, long season, once again, I don't think he'll get there because he started off so slow once again. But the last several games, he's been fantastic. The Hurricane game, he literally like sets the record. Uh, I mean, this this is absolutely phenomenal. We have the stats pulled up somewhere, right? He tied for third most ever in a game for saves, 64. And then in a non-OT game, that was the second highest save total in NHL history. NHL history. Like, you got to let that sink in. These are like historic numbers that he's doing. And I'm glad he got those saves and he did all that. And he was like three or four goals above expected for that night for save percentage. But what does that say if you're giving up 64 shots in a game? Says your defense is terrible. Exactly. So right now, you only have a few people. Once again, it's the same thing as last year, carrying the whole team. The Preds are in that awkward limbo space. Again, like they might be a playoff team. They might not. Well, well guess what? The All-Star break is about to happen. They'll, go, they'll probably go on a run. Saros is getting hotter. And guess what? We'll probably sneak into the playoffs. But what is it going to probably amount to? Probably another first-round exit. And it's like, at which point, at what point, and I've been saying this, at what point do you actually start trading away some assets and actually going into rebuild mode, or do you just play this, like, really back-and-forth limbo, you know, like, oh, well, we're not going to get good draft picks, and blah, 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 but we're also, like, we're still making the playoffs, so everybody's happy, which I'm like, to be honest, first-round exit is not making me pretty happy right now. But at the same time, too, Soros is the ultimate lipstick on a pig right now he is he's literally erasing you're laughing but it is a perfect analogy for this because he's erasing all the bad stuff right now on the back end when the front end is still garbage they're absolutely not doing what they should there's no way they should give up 64 shots shots in a game it shouldn't happen yet we're still winning and now we're on a win streak and we're right back in the playoff race Somebody explain that to me. And like I think he's I think he's keeping John Hines in a job. Hot take. Those are some hot ones, Daniel. <clears throat> I have to say I kind of agree. I mean, like you said, Saros has been phenomenal. If you give up that many shots, you're getting you're gonna get toasted. He can only do it so many times. I mean, he's not Superman, so an average night he lets in three or four of those goals, probably, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I think even saying that you're going to be a playoff team is is really stretching it this year. I see you guys. You're you're on a three-game win streak, but, you know, I've seen the writing on the wall for, what, three years now, and I said it earlier this year, this is going to be the year it's going to fall through, and that's the way I feel. We're going to get into some details of the Preds roster in a minute, but that's uh, I think you're being quite optimistic, and I'm not, I'm not quite buying it. I'm not being optimistic. I'm saying, like, you need to decide what you want to do. Like yeah. that, that, that's my thing is like, why are we still stuck in limbo? Like I've said for 
like past one or two years. If you're going to embrace the youth and do the whole thing, do it. Like tank. Go get that number one pick. I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing about uh, what's his flipping name because I've tried to like block it out from Canada. What? Uh, what's his name? Number uh, one. Connor? Bedard, but uh, Connor Bedard. Of yeah. course, it's another Connor. Like why would? I, yeah, of course. Um, but like, you know, like tank. Like I, I don't know what you guys want at this point. You're just stuck in an awkward position, and you know you got to decide what you want to do. Which gets me to another point: is like when do you start trading assets, and who should you trade? Well, that's an interesting question because I saw on Twitter last week there was some talk about possibly uh, Alexander Carrier or even Matthias Ekholm being traded, and uh, Fabro. Yes, I'm okay with Fabro being traded. I'm not sure about Ekholm because he's been one of those core staples on the, like he stabilizes the group as a whole in the middle. And I'm like, do I really want to see him traded? Like we had Ryan Ellis. Now it's a good thing we traded Ryan Ellis to Philadelphia because the next year he basically got injured and he's not played in forever and he may not play again. But how many pieces on this team are we going to trade or who is considered untouchable? at this point, besides the players who have no movement clauses. Dan? So, for me, and that's a tough one, because we did sign Ekholm at, I feel like, a fairly good rate for a long time, and it's $6.25 million for those interested. And the thing about Ekholm's contract is, here recently, he's looked a lot better, and he's been one of the better defensive pairings in the league, according to Money Puck, as well. And he's also been getting a lot more production on the stat sheet. I don't know if you've noticed the last couple games, he's been lighting it up. Ever since he made that move back to his original position, he has looked fantastic. So that's why it's kind of frustrating. But at the same time, too, you know Ekholm on the open market on a trade would fetch a premium. You know, like, that's that's multiple draft picks. That's a high first-rounder. If you know, You know what I mean. Like, that's a big time. Now, as far as some of these other ones are concerned, uh, Fabro and Carrier are both RFA after this year. So those are huge potential trade bait right there, and especially Fabro because he has a little bit more potential offense, which we've never really seen with him, and honestly, he hasn't been that great for us this year. So I think if anyone goes, I do think it's Fabro. Um, I don't know what type of return that you could look at, you know, at I, I don't know which teams desperately need a defenseman that bad that would be going on a cup run. So it'll be interesting to see towards the deadline which teams are out there looking for that. But I, I guarantee you, one or two of them are shopped for sure. But uh, for me, it's it's got to be Fabro that goes if you pick one. And the only way I'm okay with getting rid of Ekholm is if you really embrace the true like, hey, we're blowing this thing up. We're we're gonna try to get you know a higher draft pick this year and. It's time to rebuild some, you know. I, I'm tired of the competitive rebuild. So, Matt, any thoughts from you? Um, I think, again, I'll say about Ekholm, we said this last year about somebody who was on the chopping block. It might have been Ekholm. I can't remember. Maybe, no, it's Forsberg during the uh, – he was trade bait during the uh, – he was maybe going to test free agency, but he's not. I say, I'm going to say the same thing about Ekholm that I think is a core identity piece, and the Preds have lost too much of that in the last four years, that I wouldn't be personally comfortable with him leaving because I view him as a, as a core asset team identity. I like the notion of going towards the youth movement, but as we've seen in the past with John Hines, it's kind of mixed signals with who he's willing to play and not play in regards to youth. 
So I, it's odd about the blowing it up and going to rebuild because you guys don't really suck enough to go in total rebuild mode. It, but it is awkward because you're kind of in that limbo. You're in the middle. And that makes it difficult because you do have some assets. You're a fair team. You're not horrible and need to totally shoot the moon and go for broke, but that makes it harder because that means your goals aren't clearly defined. You don't know if you're on the uptake. We kind of think you're on the downslope as of the last four years because you went, what was it? You stepped up, you went first round, second round, third round, finals, and then you went third round, second round, first round. It's a bell curve, literally a bell curve. So you kind of know you're on an outward slope, but I don't know that that necessarily means bottoming out yet, but it does make it awkward. Speaking of Heinz and players that weren't used or underused or, you know, underutilized. So there was a Preds player that, you know, this, you know just casually, I'm going to throw this in there, that got waved randomly over one of the nights, and I woke up in the morning to lovely tweets about it, and I literally wanted to throw my phone. And that was Ellie Dovinen. John Hines was brought in to develop players, and he waves Tolvanen over all these other people. And then my favorite part is later on, there's all these like tweets that come out about like leadership really thought he was going to clear. Yeah, that's bullcrap. Y- yeah, it is. And guess what? He, so, oh my God, like so many thoughts on this because I'm like, you wouldn't even play him in really the role that he was lighting it up in the KHL. You wouldn't slot him in the same positions, by the way, on the power play that he was destroying. So, for those of you who don't know, Seattle Kraken snatched him up, obviously, because, I mean, can you imagine just seeing this come over the waiver wire overnight and your team's low on the list? I mean, it's like, hello, yes, and sweet. He's like 1.25 million. Yeah, we'll take him. Um, Oh, by the way, he just scored another goal tonight. So he's like at a point per game yeah. pace for he them. He scored two goals in the last four games for them. Uh, three now. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm. I, oh, it, oh, it frustrates me so bad. Like I literally could throw something because when I saw this, it just I, I lost it because I'm like Heinz came in here for the development of young players. You underutilize the player. Don't want to play him in the in the position that he was supposed to be in, which he's done with Ekholm this year and. By God, we finally got him back over to the other side, and he looks better. But you wouldn't do it with the younger kid, and now he's terrible. And, oh, like, well, we can't use him, so we're just going to scratch him every night. So we're going to wave him, hopefully send him back down to Milwaukee. No, he gets picked up. And now that's a first-round draft pick that you had that was a steal of a first-round draft pick to begin with. And now he's on another team for peanuts. You got nothing. You got nothing in return. You didn't even trade him. You could have kept him on the roster and then traded him at the deadline. What are you thinking? Instead, you're putting in other scrubs like Cole Smith, who literally has zero goals. Oh, my God. Like, I'm going to be on such a rant over this for the next, like, year or two. This is so stupid. This is one of the most ridiculous decisions the organization has made. And I don't think that was just on Hines. I think that goes all the way to the top. They're saying every, all the management was like, oh, he's going to clear. Yeah, but no. why even put a player on waivers that you're betting on clearing? That That's just like a... That's not a position of strength that you're like, oh, we thought we could just do this little slick move right here and then get them for cheaper and kind of screw the contract and start over and save, what, $700,000? Like, that's that's a really sucky move. And it, like you said, since he scored, check that, scored tonight three goals in four games for another organization, and he and never assist. got 
and insist. Oh my God. So he's a he's at a point per game. Point per game in the other organization, three goals in four games. And it, it's the first period yeah. in this game. He could score again and get another. So he might be above. He might be um like one point two or whatever. I, I whatever. Yeah, this it, this move I'm when done. when we were talking about this a week or two ago, I said this was the thing. I married myself to to Tolvanen on this team. He was my guy. He was my underdog who I was rooting for. Awesome player. And you guys treat him like this. You know what this reminds me of? How how they treated Flurry in Vegas. Just throwed him away for scrap parts. He won the Vezina the year before, and then you traded him for nothing. You traded him for future considerations. Three goals and four nights with another team. Let's waive him because we think we can save some money and get rid of him for free. That makes me not want to be a Preds fan right now. But how much of this is actually on John Hines? Because one of the players, well, not one of the players, one of the coaches that they seem to talk to a lot during the game and after the game is Dan Hynote. On December 12th, Dan Hynote said this about Cole Smith, that he was an 82-game player. He was someone that you know what you're going to get from him, which at this point is absolutely nothing, and that you can't have enough of these players on your team. Is this a mindset of the coaching group as a whole, or is this possibly coming down from GMDP down to the coaches? Did Tolvanen not do exactly what they told him and asked for him when he got sent down all those times in Milwaukee? We need you to become a a two-way player. That's what we heard every single time. And defensively, did he not get better? He got way better, actually, defensively. So he was that more complete player. He just wasn't basically getting the offensive production at the end that he was. But he went. He got sent down multiple times to become that two-way player. He did what they asked and then still gets waived. And I'm tired of And they were still underutilizing him. So and I still think that's a load of crap. I mean, yeah, everybody wants – I want a guy who's good at both sides of the ice. But honestly, do you ask Ovechkin to play defense? Do you ask McDavid to play defense? The guy is a known power play specialist. I don't care if he's good at defense. As long as he's not a traffic cone liability, let him do what he does best and utilize him in his role. I think it's just kind of blowing smoke. I think there's mixed signals between GMDP and, and the training staff or whatever. It's just it's awkward. Well, that does lead me into another discrepancy I want to talk about, and that is the offense on this team. So you had you know the big whatever with Forsberg last season to get his contract signed. And you look over here in the offense of goals, he leads our team with 15 goals. Nino Niederreiter leads our team in second with 12 goals. Matt Duchesne has 11 goals. Then it just falls off the map. Rowan Yossi, nine, um, nine goals. Ryan Johansson, nine goals. Colton Sisson, nine, six goals. Yakov Trenin, five goals. Granlin, you know, four goals. He's more of an assist player. But it's like, as much as we're giving crap to the defense, we've also got to talk about the offense as well. They're not doing good. I mean, you can't rely on those three in forever. And let's just go ahead and get our top five out of the way. So, like I said, Philip Forsberg leads us overall with points. 34 points, 15 goals, 19 assists in 38 games. Roman Yossi, second, 31 points, 9 goals, 22 assists. Matt Duchesne, 11, uh, sorry, 30 points, 11 goals, 19 assists. Mikhail Granlin, 25 points, 4 goals, 21 assists. Neil Niederreiter, 9 goals, 12 assists. And these are all 38, 37 games. And I feel like at this point in the season, these numbers should actually kind of be higher for a lot of those players. Daniel? Yeah, I mean, you're 
you got your usual suspects up at the top, which is good. I mean, it's great that Forsberg has been producing. Matt Duchesne's kind of a little slack this year, but whatever. Both of them had career years last year, so you're going to expect some, you know, some regression. He's back to his normal self, overhyped and overpaid. But so continue. Uh, well, I mean, he's got 30 points in 37 games, so that's I mean, pretty good. That, that's fairly decent. Like, it goes back to my bias of guys that make eight million can only piss me off. But yeah, I mean, but you could say the same thing about you got to say the same thing about you know Joey. He's not even on this list, you know, and he's making just as much. So at least Duchesne's actually been performing to his contract the last two years. So is what it is. But I think the the one thing that people are forgetting is like um, Yakov Trenin. Also had a decent amount last year, but the biggest one that has regressed and just not been on the sheet, and it's not because he doesn't look good, and he's been hitting the post, and he's been just having tough puck luck, and that is Tanner Janot. Tanner Janot also had like 20 goals last year. I think he had like 22 goals. He has three this year. Oof. That's, Tommy, Tommy Novak has more than him. Yeah, Tommy has more. Uh, Parsonen has the same amount as him. Janot like, has regressed hard this year and that's not been anything like he he still looks good he looks dangerous they just haven't been you know sinking and that said that really hurts and offensively this team has really struggled until like recently like the last three or four games where we've actually been on a win streak and lighten it up but I will say this the Ducks terrible team Canadians terrible team so even though you scored five or six on them I wouldn't think too much about that uh, I, I don't think their offensive problems are solved, but you're going to need that depth scoring, and the Preds are not getting depth scoring right now, and that is really hurting them really bad. Well, could it be possible that even though Tanner Janot is not scoring as much, they're wanting to utilize him more for his defensive skills? Because, you know, he's the first person on the ice that if something happens to a teammate, he's right there to stick up for them, and he's made it clear he don't care who you are. He'll fight as Daniel Chara. He does not care. Do you think the Preds value that more than his offensive or defensive capabilities i mean yeah he could he's on the herd line so you obviously know that he's there to be a big body throw his weight around but the the plus side last year was that he was sinking those goals where this year they're not going in so uh, you know he's doing his role it's just way less offense so you you got to get some more offensive production from him you know it's it is what it is um Hopefully he does, you know, turn around. Actually, tonight the Preds are, excuse me, the Preds are winning right now, and the the goal is from Roman Yossi and then Jeremy Lazan. Ooh, a rare goal from him. But that's the secondary scoring that you need. You need people like that to so, show up on the stat sheet. It doesn't need to be very top-heavy, which it has been recently. Oh, just a little another side note. Um, the Kraken scored again, and Tolvanen was the primary assist. Oh, so bless, I'm done. I'm done. Like I just want to check That's out. It's like now. the most flip the table. I'm I'm and it's this is just the first period. So he'll probably get another goal or an assist in this game against the it's the Canadians. So yeah, they're gonna end up scoring nine nine goals against the Canadians tonight. So yeah. Oh man. Uh, I'm still so frustrated with that right now because it you're just underutilizing everything. You just gave away a guy who and, and here's my deal. Like on this roster too, what are some of the players that Hines and them are deciding to keep in, kind of like you're saying, over people like Tolvanen, over people like Philip Tomasino, who is still sitting in the AHL, who played, what, 70, 
four games for us, 76 games for us last year. Tomasino did. He was already in your system, but like now we have Cole Smith, who has zero goals. I, I don't know. I, I can't answer these questions. I mean, it, it is what it is, but it is very frustrating to watch right now, the, the roster decisions. But, yeah, so uh, you got to get more more depth going for sure right now. Well, I want to go to Coach Matt. So Coach Matt gets control of the Preds. What's the first thing you do? GNTP says, you're the coach, you can do anything. What's the first thing you do? Well, it's kind of my classic line I go to lately. I say stop taking freaking penalties. I was just trying trying to find the stat. I'm sure you guys lead the NHL in penalty minutes still. And it's very difficult to win a game shorthanded, especially you guys' PK is pretty good this year. But, you know, what's that? Uh, 75%. So that means... If you take four penalties a game, you're going to get scored on once per game. And how many, you know, how many times is that the difference in the ball game? Is that one goal right there? And it's usually stuff that's avoidable. Like um, you mentioned, your boy, uh, who was it? Uh, not Borbieski, but some other little pest. He's in there. Uh, he's Jano. He's in there to cause cause a ruckus and stir up a fight. But you know, fighting after your your main player gets hit, that's one thing. But just these, these lazy hookings, penalties, trippings, these little things that can be avoided, they're just like, they're lazy penalties. And we have to get that out of the game if you hope to play good hockey because you have to you have to play five on five. Your team is not good enough to play shorthanded for four or five penalties a game. So that's my, that's my number one go-to. And Daniel? Yeah, I, I mean... For me, you know, I mean, th- what's crazy is I was just looking it up. We're at like 79% for the penalty kill. So to your point, very good, actually, despite taking all the penalties. What are we at penalties? Like eighth? I think you were pulling it up. Or uh, total penalties taken. Uh, we actually are further down the list than I thought. Where are we at? We are 14th. 14th. Okay, that's so much better. Than- it's been a lot better recently. The, the start of the season was really bad, and I think that's also another reason why our penalty kill suffered uh, in the beginning as far as our numbers. So they have been slowly improving, which is a good sign. Um, the power play is still in the dumps at 18%, 28th in the league. So still not very good. You know, that would really help if you also didn't waive, you know, a key player who's a power play specialist. But, you know, that is what it is. Um, just not going to make a big deal about that either. So it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I think if you're coming in there, do I have the power to say who I want to trade and all this stuff? Well, if if it's me, I'm trying to blow it up a little bit. Like, I'm trying to get rid of some player that isn't producing that would return me an asset, and that would be trading Fabro. And Fabro has been kind of like a, a key fixture for us for a little bit, but I don't think he panned out to what we were hoping he was going to be when we drafted him from Boston College. That just is what it is. It's no hard feelings. Somebody else needs somebody, you know, like another fill-in or a third pair or whatever for a deep playoff run. I think he'll fit in great there. Uh, I'm definitely getting rid of him, getting, you know, some assets in return, maybe even possibly. I I, I don't want to get rid of Ekholm. But, you know, if you're going to not make the playoffs, then go for it. Go big. I think if you're going that route, I'd shed all the big contracts. Like if you're making eight mil, I'm looking at you to try to dump a contract. But the problem is, you're not going to get rid of them. Contracts are yeah. harder to get rid of. Yeah, they're, they're, that the the Ekholm contracts are the one people yeah, want because they're like, oh, spot. he's he's already producing and he's at six mil. Oh yeah, like yeah. that's the sweet spot. Like they're like, I can take it on. He's going to be great for production and defense for the next several years. So that's why everybody's you know licking their chops over Ekholm, where 
you know, I mean, if you get a point per game, Duchesne, that's great, but he's also at eight mil, which is also a big cap, you know, space. So it, to, it is what it is. And to be fair, looking at cap friendly, but Forsberg and Yossi have no movement clauses too. So that's at least, if I do my math right, that's at least seventeen and a half million that's locked up as well too. That you can't do anything about. Yeah, but I mean, those two are not going anywhere. Like you couldn't get rid of any of those because, like, you know, Forsberg is going to be good for several years to come. Obviously, Yossi is the backbone of the team right now, and he, he drives most everything. So, yeah, you can't even get rid of that. Interesting to note, though, Tanner Janot is also a restricted free agent. Who knows? Cody Glass has also been doing good here recently. He's going to be a restricted free agent, so I I, I don't know. There's, there are going to be some weird decisions this year as far as the roster. We have, we have a lot of RFAs, a lot. But the interesting ones that I feel like would get shopped would be Carrier, Fabro, or a long-term, you know, six point two five million Ekholm, which would probably command a hefty return. It better re- command a hefty return if he did get traded. So, one of the final thoughts I have is that if the Preds do not make the playoffs this season, is this the end of John Hynote? Sorry, not John Hynes. Yeah. Wow, I combined John Hynes and Dan Hynote. Yeah. But you know what? Why not? Is this the hand end of John Hynote? Uh, Dan Hynote. Let's see. <sighs> I do really like him as a coach, and I think all the players do like him. So I don't know. Um, is it the other Dan in charge of the power play? I believe he is. It's because we have a Dan and a Dan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like I, I always get them confused. Um, I'm getting rid of the uh, who's controlling our power play. Sorry. I'm it, getting it, I'm it, getting some experience behind the bench. Yeah. They were kind of like no names. You, your team deserves to have somebody that's got some uh, some history, some longevity to their to their uh, career there. So I like to get a little more experience behind the bench, and, and I don't care if that's John Hines, High Note, whoever. Give me give me somebody a little bit better. I've been skeptical of Hines ever since the start. Yeah. It, it's Dan High Note and Dan Lambert are are the two um, that are behind the bench. I just sorry I could not remember his name. Save my life. Sorry about that. We have any other thoughts or anything? It's it's also Lamb Bear who's in charge of the 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 power play. So, well, guys, I don't want to end the episode on an angry or a sad note. So let's talk about the All Star vote real quick. Matt, what you got over there for us? Yeah. So you know, this year, how many years have been since we did the John Scott? Um, uh, four or five years now, where we did the John Scott meme year, which was the last time we had an All Star vote for those who are newcomers to hockey. The fans get to vote who they want as the team captain and all this. So John Scott is like the worst player for the Arizona Coyotes in their history. He's got like two goals in like, you know, 10 plus years of playing hockey. So he's horrible. And for some reason, the fans got together. Now, the rule was there was no like vote limit. Your fan could go in there every night and vote 100 times for John Scott. And that's what they did. Somebody in some room like ours got together and said, we're going to pick, we're going to meme pick John Scott, this loser from Arizona, and we're going to make him the the captain for the All-Star game, and that's what happened. So we call it the meme year. So this year, they are risking it again. Now they have allowed, <clears throat> they're going to allow fan votes again this year. I said when that happened, they should have just scratched that off and just given it to the real person like Stamkos or whoever was going to be the actual captain for fan vote because you're opening yourself up to a situation where the fans could be hilarious again. We'll see if it happens or if the NHL ignores it. I don't know, but it is interesting that that's going to happen again. 
And uh, while we're on the subject of league news, uh, one last thing we'll mention as we're wrapping it up here. Um, Daniel said the same thing I've been saying, that I'm really tired of hearing Connor Bedard's name because they did the juniors recently, uh, world juniors. And uh, it's one of those things that I love to watch. If you guys will ever watch, I hear it. I don't watch other sports, but I hear that if you like football, a lot of people like watching college football as opposed to the pros. So I wish we had better access to watching the younger teams, like the college hockey teams, or in this case, the U18 at World Juniors. But we did never have it covered on like on television here. So it's really difficult for us to be able to watch it. But I think that would be a more exciting way to watch hockey in the younger teams, you know, a little more razzle-dazzle. It's not as refined as NHL teams. So that being said, with razzle-dazzle, Connor Bedard is a name I've heard nonstop for the last two weeks because he has been absolutely popping off. Um, currently a WHL player, but he is on pace. Let's see. He has in the WHL, now that he's back, he has 93 points in 36 games, which is absolutely ridiculous. More than three points per game. He's on pace for, if you extrapolate that to an 82 game season, he's on pace for 212 points and 91 goals. And, uh, so that recently the tournament, the world junior tournament, not only is he lighting it up in the WHL, he lit it up at this tournament. He has the most points in a tournament by an under-18 player in, in, a, in all-time history. 23 points. Yager only had 18. Gretzky only had 17. And Connor Bedard had 23. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been lighting it up. There's no, there's no way around it. But I'm tired of hearing his name, though. Yes. And he's also another Connor. So, yes. it's shocking. Uh, this is one of those situations where I forget who the who the kid was. You know, you're always like keen on whoever's going to be the number one draft pick of the year. We always have our sights on that one guy. I forget who it was last year um, that we kept hearing his name a lot. And it was like, oh, you know, he'll be okay. He'll be just a normal, maybe fizzle out after a couple of years. But Connor Bedard is one of those guys that it looks like, by all means, that he's going to be a lasting, staying presence in the NHL. If he's throwing up number, numbers better than Yager and Gretzky at, you know, 17 years old or whatever – He's going to be a fixture in the NHL for years to come. So I am quite excited to uh, to watch him as he gets drafted uh, going forward. But I wish we could check some of his games out because I'm sure those – I catch the highlights, you know, on Twitter, but some razzle-dazzle hockey there from the young kids. All it's going to take, Matt, is him to do one lacrosse goal, and you're going to be done with him. You'll be like, I'm tired of watching <laughs> this kid. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, Matt will be screaming at the clouds. He's going to be like, get off my porch. That is true. But, Matt, as we get ready to close the show down – you know, it's been a while. Have you collected any stats over the past month that you can talk to us about? Oh, Kyle, I've got There's some, so many. I got we have so many. I'll mention just a couple highlights here, some milestones. My boys, the Bruins, baby, they're doing it this year. Go ahead and put money on them. They're my cup favorites this year. Uh, we'll see how that goes in another month. I'll probably change my mind, but whatever. The Bruins, they are now the third team in history to have thirty wins in thirty-eight games. Historic, crazy, unbelievable season for Boston. They're putting it out on ice, baby. My boy Marchand. So, also McDavid is now he has let's see seventy points in thirty seven games, and that is the fifth fastest uh, amount, the fifth fastest in NHL history to have that many points in that few of games. That's the fewest since Yager and Lemieux in ninety one. So that's the best brand of hockey in thirty years, essentially. And of course, we hear his name on the stat sheet all the time. So not a surprise. McDavid's fire on the ice. Um, and I'm going to give a hat tip to my boys. The Detroit Red Wings the other night had an OT comeback win, four-goal comeback win 
for the first time in almost four decades, baby. The wings are on fire. It's going to be our year, Kyle. Can't you feel it? The best hockey come back in almost four decades. We're feeling it, baby, in Detroit town. But, you know, the question then becomes, uh, is Detroit going to make the playoffs and win the cup, or is Boston going to make the playoffs and win the cup? Oh, it's it's you can ride the Red Wings all the way through, buddy. You can put money on it, Kyle. Well, Daniel, we'll have to see about that. What do you think? Well, Matt, you forgot to mention uh, a Red Wing that got surpassed, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, let's put it back on him so we can see his frowny face. Yeah. You know. He luckily, so uh, Ovechkin broke Gordie Howe's record. He luckily didn't do it against the Red Wings. He broke the last record, whatever it was, against Detroit. And luckily he didn't do this one against his old against Gordie Howe's former team. That would have been a slap in the face. I was going to be mad. He did it on a hat trick, too. Yeah. He had enough respect to lay low and do it the next game. I think it took him two more games after the Detroit game. But uh, my man knows how to respect the legend. So, uh, But hat tip to Ovechkin, man. He's on fire. Matt, this right here. Little violin you've been playing ever since. I remember when you texted us when he broke that. You were so mad. Oh, goodness. But, Daniel, what games we got coming up? My thing is, like, it's just still impressive that, like, he hasn't slowed down because Connor McDavid actually only has 33 goals this year and Ovi has 29. Like, and he's way older. So, I mean, there's a reason why he's still up there and it's just crazy that he's gotten that production. But, yeah, I mean, the next game's coming up. Uh, we got Toronto. Montreal, and then we have Buffalo, Calgary, and Columbus, followed by St. Louis and Los Angeles. So kind of like up and down. Definitely some teams that are struggling on this list. So that's much you know needed because we I felt like we just ran the gauntlet with some actually uh, harder competition, and we actually pulled out some wins that we shouldn't have, which is huge this time of year. So. Keep it up. We'll see where we're at the next episode and stay tuned for a, another roller coaster uh, Preds ride because I feel like, you know, like next week we'll be in the dumps again and Facebook and Twitter will be, you know, telling them to fire Hines. And then the week after that, they're going to go on another four game streak and then we'll be right back to where we are. So that's how we've been this season. And guys, that's the show for the day. If you like us, you can find us on Twitter at Music City Gold. You can find us on YouTube at Music City Gold. And you can also find us at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.